Thanks for tuning back into the Replatform podcast sponsored by Ambulance and Clavio. You're listening to myself, James Gedder, my co-host, Paul Rogers. How are you doing today, sir? Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you doing? Uh, it's Friday. That's always good. The sun is starting to shine. That's even better. Yeah. It feels like ages since we've done one of these together. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, uh, it's the the, uh, the golden team back together. Let's see how this one goes then. Um, should be an interesting one for our, our, our listeners. So, uh, but uh, yeah, first of all, big thank you to regular listeners for tuning back in and a warm welcome if this is the first time you've uh, listened to our podcast. We hope you're not disappointed. Uh, do subscribe to get new episode alerts. They drop every week. Um, we'd love a like on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, etc. Okay, so uh, with that spiel done, let's introduce the topic today. We're talking about browse and basket abandonment, marketing automation, good practice for e-commerce, and also the tools and tech and implementation. So what we're going to cover at top level is what browse and basket abandonment are and why they're important for e-commerce, common mistakes and how to avoid them and what good looks like, and uh, tools and technology used and some of the implementation challenges to think about. Um, Is that covered? Do you reckon that's covered it enough at top level? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Right, let's crack on. So num- let's start with a, a, a quick definition because I know that some people listening will know this, they'll be doing it. Others will, will, won't have come across this before, so we need to be very clear what we mean. So browse abandonment is when somebody's on your website, they are navigating around, they haven't created a basket yet, but they leave from a page. So they maybe they've come in through a campaign, like a, a page search campaign, they're on a product page, but they leave without taking action. And that action could be adding to basket, it could be sign up for a newsletter, but they've left without committing to something. And the aim of browser abandonment is to understand the, the purpose of, of the user journey and to, to surface information, try and keep them with that journey or to add value to that experience to encourage them to come back or to complete an action. Then you've got basket abandonment, which is they've got that step further. They've added a product to the basket, but they haven't committed to the purchase. They haven't completed a checkout, and they still have the item in their basket. You want to do something to encourage them to complete that transaction. So we're going to go and look through um, you know, some of the challenges, some of the common mistakes we see, and you know, a bit of advice on what we think is good, but also accepting we don't have a, a monopoly on good ideas in this and you know, always welcome off the podcast for people to, to fire over their views on what, what good execution looks like for this. Uh, and the reason why, why people do this is simply because not if everybody who came to the site ended up taking a positive action or completing a transaction, everyone would be delighted with their e-commerce conversion and revenue. We all know that the abandonment is on average 68% plus. I think that's the latest Baymard um, Institute and that's aggregated. So there are loads and loads of um, abandonments and there are loads of reasons why from people researching before buying, um, annoying consultants like myself and Paul looking at your site to see how it works. Uh, poor user experience pissing people off and they decide to leave because they haven't found what they want or even people just simply price shopping and, uh, and wanting to go and potentially find that product for a better deal somewhere else like Amazon for example um, anything you want to add to that? Cool. No, I don't think so I think uh, the next question is probably where we start to get into the detail and kind of yeah how it's relevant to different types of businesses and everything else yeah, so I'll throw that question to you. Uh, you. You go first, and then we'll kind of dovetail it. But what do you, for you, what does good look like for browse abandonment? What have you seen that works well? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. So I know you've done a lot more than I have in this space. I think I, I always say on this podcast, but our average client is usually quite high end. Um, so actually, a lot of our clients don't do browse abandonment and maybe consider it not to be um, premium or like 
yeah, just a, a way they want to kind of engage with customers or they see it as a bit too kind of commercial. Um, but I think really it's probably, I mean, I really like, uh, and I know you've got some good examples of this, but more like engagement-led browse abandonment, I think, because I think there's a good chance that people aren't necessarily at the point of purchase. And I think, um, you know, like trying to educate people, give them information, like, yeah, that kind of stuff, I think, can work well. But to be honest, like I said, I've probably done a lot more in the basket abandonment space. And even then, I think um, it's probably been more kind of like relatively basic implementation. Um, but yeah, browser abandonment, for me, it's just about not annoying the user that might actually be mid-purchase. Um, or even just, you know, like doing research or whatever else. I think, yeah, it's just about not being too aggressive, really, for me. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point, and, and uh, context is key here. The bit that a lot of people uh, miss out on is understanding path to purchase, which can be massively complex if you try and do every single path to purchase on your, on your website. But if you take the, the core product journeys and typically what the, the time lag and session lag is, and you can have that data out of your analytics quite simply, um, I'll give an example with Sage when we I work with Sage implementing their program and they have their high-end accounting software and they have like you know HL software and then they have very basic products um, like stationary like pay slips and invoices. Pay slips and invoices are not an agonized thing, it's a replenishment. So people come on and they have to ask and buy. So if people are abandoning, then there's more of an issue with why you why have you not committed to that purchase with soft with software, especially for new customers. There's a big build-up, and in big businesses, there's multiple stakeholders. Therefore, there's a stronger research. There's more phases, and they're building up knowledge and information as they go along. So, understanding that that path to purchase, and therefore being able to know that a visit to a product page that is a first-time visit by a particular user is not a, 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 an abandonment. It's a natural phase of of their cycle, and not hammering them is really important. Uh, but the ability to know that if if after three sessions, that's normally when the conversion seal that on visits two and three to that page, then you can start, as you were saying, like useful messaging such as, you know, did you know you you've got um you know uh, um hassle-free um returns all year round and free delivery on all orders. Um, then as you get down the line, things like, you know, do you want to speak to an advisor? Can we help you? Do you have any questions we can help with? It's things like that 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 rather than the, the classic mistake, and we talked about this before we start recording, which is, ah, you leave it, have 10% off. Yeah. And you often find that, A, people might not be ready to commit to the purchase, but B, if you just chuck 10% off, they might have been um, in the purchase journey anyway and would have bought and you just hit your margin. And it's you really have to be super careful here because some I've worked with a client who said, I don't care, I want the sale, I want it quicker, I don't care if I lose margin, I'll sort that out in my retention and CRM. Okay, fine. I don't. I don't agree with it personally, but I understood the logic. But other businesses who think you have to because the reason they're leaving is because they want it cheaper, and that that is a dangerous model. It's basically like being on sale constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the other interesting one I've seen, and one of the challenges I've had with browser abandonment is obviously people's uh, user journeys don't uh, uh, online don't end when they leave the website. They go elsewhere people have remarketing campaigns and programs. And you often find that, that there's a remarketing program that obviously has a you know, standard pixel tracking, now it's moving to API tracking, but 
it, the remarketing will pick up that someone's been on the site and it will serve the standard remarketing campaigns that are set up, but it won't be aligned with what is being done in the browser abandonment. So a user could be leaving a site and see a browser abandonment message that's completely at odds with a campaign that served them via remarketing. And the big challenge for me in organisations where these areas are siloed and maybe there's a marketing team owning the remarketing and there's an e-commerce team owning browser abandonment is trying to get that, that, that tie-up and working out how the data is aligned so the user gets gets a consistent message and experience. And that, I'm not going to profess to be an expert on fixing those issues, but it's something that businesses need to be aware of. And I think, uh, yeah, dependent on the type of business, like we've got um, kind of a low AOV, multi-brand, kind of marketplace-style clients. And um, they're a bit more aggressive and they have push notifications as well. They have SMS as well. And, you know, different teams are managing these different channels. So, yeah, you can't. It's very easy to, yeah, bombard people, but also a different messaging or different. Oh, like, flow. Yeah. And you'd say about the push notification because you've obviously got the browser capability of, of, of allowing notifications. And I've seen us. I was on a, um, on a brand site recently and I got in first page i was served a newsletter pop-up before i'd even done anything then when i went to another page and was you know, i was on my desktop and i was scrolling out towards the browser bar then i got a, an exit in exit in 10 browser abandonment message and at the same time i got a push notification message and it was just like oh christ it's like i've got to close all this crap um so yeah ux is uh, uh, is a really important one because it is just driving people to to respond to a campaign are they doing out of frustration? Are you risking that they'll just get you know annoyed and they won't come back? So you have to be very careful on that front. Um, so let's switch to basket abandonment because you said you, you you've done more in that area. What what to you is good for basket abandonment and who does it well? So I think the same point applies with the um, types of business like that first kind of obvious caveat. Like if even even like, you know a number of our clients won't do basket abandonment as well. Like. Um, you know, they just don't consider it premium, et cetera. Um, but I think those that do, um, I think the key is just testing everything, uh, like messaging, headlines, or um, the timing, everything else. Um, and I think, yeah, trying to avoid, like you say, kind of just discounting. I think um, I've seen a lot of people promote, like, their 10% off first offer, stuff like that, that's an existing, you know, um, mechanism to try and um convert a first time customer and like pushing that kind of stuff um and maybe like you said some of the benefits etc etc i think i used to work for a company that was pretty high volume years ago um and they were pretty promotion led and they had basically initially it was more it was softer then it's like got a little bit more aggressive and then by the third one um they were they were offering the discount um please we want you so much yeah yeah. and i guess at that point they probably saw it as like a genuine abandonment. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it's just, and I know like I feel like there's so much data that needs to be, if to do this at scale, you just need to constantly be testing and learning. But for me, at the level I've done, I think just about avoiding that same principle, avoiding being too aggressive and annoying the customer. And I think to your point, it's obviously the question before, but I think the key is just trying to get just being considerate with all of the different forms of marketing. Um, yeah, and like just trying not yep. to annoy the customer, really. Yeah, yeah, agreed. An interesting point you made about first-time buyers. So I, I, I've done this on a few projects where we've isolated first-time buyers 
with specific messaging and it's more around USP and reassurance. A repeat buyer has already bought into the brand or the product, or maybe both, maybe one or the other. So you, you don't need to be saying, hey, look, you can trust us as they've already shown they've trusted you twice or more now. You, you're all right. Now change it to to stronger messages around the product or maybe it's about you know the, 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 the returns piece. So you can change that messaging around. I'm always very loath to do discounting because I think I, I've I've heard this from consumers. I've seen it on on talk uh, on, on discussion boards on things like Money Saving Expert, where someone says, "Oh, all you've got to do on these sites is is create a basket, then leave and wait a couple of days, and eventually you'll get an email with a discount." So consumers are savvy. So if we train them to wait, we defer the purchase. And we take the margin here. What one one test that we that I did with a, um, a retail client, which actually worked quite well, it depressed the initial conversion rate but increased the overall return. Was not offering a discount on that purchase, but offering a, a money off for the second purchase. So it was like you know, complete your your basket uh, is saved forty eight hours. Complete your purchase um, and get X off your next order. Because what we wanted to look at is how we could nudge people into repeat purchasing rather than just here's 10% off and now you've buggered off somewhere else for your next buy. And that was interesting. So our, our campaign versus just standard 10% of this order, the conversion rate was inevitably a bit lower, but actually the the, the revenue return from that that um, that's cohort was better. So yeah, yeah I, agree, I agree with that. And also customer service. Stuff. People underestimate this. Is sometimes the reason people aren't buying is either they're not sure, they're not ready to commit, um, or something hasn't uh, convinced them, and they might need a bit of help, but they might they might be at the point where they're, oh, I can't be bothered to reach out. So some of the stuff I did with Sage that worked quite nicely is is the you know can't speak to an expert, especially with with complex purchases. Get your questions answered by an expert. Would you like a free consultation? Um, we we test a lot on, on like software products of this with the X Intent um, basket banner was purely focused on getting people into consultations. Yeah, I, I mentioned the example before we started as well. We've got a client that do manual um, abandonment. So it's really high-end products with a pretty significant lead time, lots of potential barriers. You know, getting into the cart process could result in issues with finance or shipping or all of that kind of stuff. And they do it manually via store stuff. And I think um, for them, it works really well. Like if you, They're not the type of brand you'd expect to do uh cut like automated blanket cut abandonment campaigns but the personal touch i think they've managed to get it to a point where it's quite nice actually yeah i think that's a good job and also you've got the gdpr consideration and if you don't have opt-in permission you can't just do marketing and sales-based campaigns you're contravening that um because they haven't yet purchased so but there are different ways to so yeah customer service based gets around that and having worked with with big big brands where compliance is huge and all of this has to go through compliance teams um i've got a pretty good handle now on what you what you are able to do before it enters into the marketing realm of opt-in but a good te- tactic which which um some people uh, uh, have implemented uh, is if you have people who abandon in the bars, the abandon the basket, you don't know their email yet. Like they're not a registered customer. They haven't gone through the checkout and added an email. Then in the in the uh, pop up that comes onto the site, put in a really simple message of like, "Hey, we've saved your your basket for you. Get it sent direct to your inbox. Add your email address now, or you could do SMS, which we're about to talk about. Because then you've got the opt in permission, which then you can then push them into your standard multi cycle email campaign off the back of doing that." 
So there are techniques that you can use to, to ramp up because most abandonments of basket, you don't have an email address for. So you yeah. have to find a way to, to be able to service messaging that's useful, but also encourage them to, to get into your standard campaigns. What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. So let's go on to SMS because um, I, I know this is something that you've seen growth in terms of SMS abandonment. So talk people through it and, and uh, what are you seeing and what, what's working? I think um, like at the moment it feels like SMS is like crack for like so many brands, even like the premium brands are doing it. Like it's, I think it's just a less saturated channel um, where that seems to get good levels of engagement. I know like clients in the US that we've had have been obsessed with SMS and, you know, they've used the post scripts and the attentives and it's been a completely different big channel that's almost comparable to email. Um, and then I feel like that suddenly started coming over here and then, um, yeah, SMS abandonment just seems to have made its way into the mix for a lot of our clients. And I don't have specific performance numbers, but I believe that, yeah, it performs well and, you know, adds income. I think, um, yeah, a lot of, uh, uh, Cart abandonment emails will get um, kind of drowned out in an inbox. Um, you know, people get so many emails, they're not necessarily checking their emails as often, et cetera, et cetera. As SMS is a more, you're, I think there's probably a, a more likely engagement um, if it's done in the right way. So, yeah, it's just seems to be a bit, I think it's still early days, but yeah, a lot of our clients are doing this now. Yeah, and, and interestingly, uh, you know, we, we've we've had a contact uh, last week to me from a, a mobile platform that that offers um, direct sales through uh, mobile and text. So there's technology out there now that will enable people to then turn this into a direct purchase via the messaging, rather than having to direct people back into a site to complete their basket. So yeah, and I guess anything that removes friction from that process on mobile is, is essential yeah i've not done as much with sms interestingly some of the clients i work with weren't that keen to pursue it for abandonment so it's definitely an area i think people should and you're right if it's a point of differentiation in a crowded market that probably so, changed yeah, yeah well yeah yeah if everyone starts doing it but i guess the early yeah. adopter benefit yeah yeah i think it's interesting yeah clavio i know it's become massive for clavio and i think a lot of people, a lot of our clients have actually started by splitting. Like, so you have your first cart abandonment email, and then maybe the second one is an SMS. Um, so, like the follow up, which avoids that kind of um, maybe doing both and being a bit too aggressive. But um, yeah, I think uh, it's, yeah. it's an interesting channel. Definitely. So let's let's focus more on the common issues that we see with with browser basket management. So. We talked a couple, um, focus on discounting and giving away margin you don't need to, hammering people on every page visit so that it's just basically uh, yeah, massively intrusive and screws the customer experience. Another one for me is, is being too generic. So, and I've seen this where people have used a third-party tool. They've set up a, a like overlay, whether it's a slide, a slide, out, slide in tray, a pop-up, whatever it might be, and they just set up one and they use it for every single case. So maybe it's a browser abandonment, and it's like get free delivery on, on all, and it's for every single page. And they're not thinking about the context of the product 
where the user is in the journey. They're not very messaging by product types. It's like surface things like different USPs. And it just become the impact of it just reduces when people have seen the same thing over and over again. Um, do you find that? Do you find that people aren't targeting accurately enough and they're just blanketing people rather than targeting specific use cases? Yeah, and I think the other thing that I was going to add to that, which is slightly different, but I think there's a lot of different ways to convert nowadays. And like I've had scenarios, the things that have annoyed me, like I, being an econ, you always laugh at it, but like where I've, I don't know, gone through uh, an inquiry or, you know, I've ended up speaking to someone over the phone or I've gone through a finance request, whatever it is, and I've actually converted. I'm still getting the stupid browser or basket abandonment emails with that horrible tone, um, which is also another uh, common issue, I think. The tone sometimes can be a bit annoying. Um, and I'm still getting those, you know, I'm ending up with free uh, browser abandonment cart abandonment emails when I've actually gone through a different conversion route. So I think you have yeah. to allow for that and really think a bit broader. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I remember from having worked on, on a few projects with clients, the difficulty of of getting the correct data into blackout lists to stop people receiving campaigns once they purchase because often there's a time lag from getting the you know the transaction that goes to an e-commerce platform and getting that um, user's email ID out and into the tool that uh, is driving all of the abandonment because um, they're not often run by the same uh, um, department. So, yeah, that's a yeah. really important one to do. Um, you, so you touched on about luxury and premium, and a lot of um, clients don't, don't like it, don't think it's on brand. Do you think it can work? And have you have you seen it work for a premium brand? What you were saying earlier is probably the only way that I think it probably can work, which is you're not sending an email being like, please come and buy, um, you know, please finish your purchase immediately. It's more like, think it is more like putting content in front of people. Maybe if it's like a more luxury product with a higher price point, more reasons not to buy, maybe trying to address some of those barriers or maybe it's, you know, it's more, a little bit more editorial, um, yeah, I think that's the that's the way it can work, and I think it does it. But it almost becomes not browsers or cart abandonment, but you can use the same trigger. Um, yeah. That's the only way I think it can really work for luxury. I think um, I've seen luxury brands do well. I can't think of an example, but where they've got a very subtle call to action, which is maybe like um, rebuild your basket or something like that or like it's, but it's positioned more in a more like convenience orientated way um so yeah i think you could, i mean i do think you can do it and you know in a soft way but i think it's just a lot less direct a lot less aggressive i think the messaging is different yeah and i think it's harder to justify still but um, yeah I, what, what blows my mind is, is the reticence to test it because the whole point is you don't just suddenly yeah. chuck something live on a site and go right everyone you've got these messages is is you test to a small portion. So having worked with with um, tools like SmartSplit, where you just basically A/B test it to you know five percent, ten percent of the traffic, you can control the the impact and measure it, and then roll it out based on merit. And then you cut. This is a whole approach of Sage. You, you we started off with maybe sixty campaigns, and we got down to um, maybe eight to ten that were ta- that worked and had tangible benefits. But we tested them all at small levels and all the ones that really weren't having an impact and were intrusive, we culled quickly. So I, I think I think luxury and premium brands need to just open their eyes and think about where they, like you said, where they add value. And a good example of this, I've seen it in jewellery, um, where the the abandonment uh, on, the, on the page, so the, the pop-ups, the slide-outs, 
are about offering concierge services. So it's like you know somebody who's, who's shopping for an engagement ring. You know, would you like would you like a, a, a consultation with our jewelry designers? Would you like a bespoke service? Things where it's like, well, actually, you're offering something of value. You're not just saying buy it now, buy it now, and pressuring them. You're you're trying to help them through the purchases. And I think if you flip the thinking, like you said, and the language, it can work. But if you just put generic crap up without, it's like anything. If you just chuck a load of campaigns out there without thinking who your audience is and why they'd want it well there we go okay so let's talk about technology considerations so let's look at some of the routes for implementing it so if you want to go first about you know using platforms or esps i know you've, you've uh, got some experience with this yeah so i think um our average client would probably the majority probably use uh, esp to be perfectly honest so like a clavio or yeah some of the other ones um and then I think the ones that are maybe wanting to be a bit more aggressive then start to look at some third parties. I think my only, the only thing that I've seen recently, which I was kind of moaning to you about earlier, and I won't say who it is, but there's a technology that seems to be pretty prominent for a lot of our clients at the moment. And they essentially specialize in um, browse and basket abandonment and data capture. And I think their approach is super aggressive and they just gradually convince the client to um, go more aggressive and the numbers look great but I think it starts to build a really poor customer experience and that I'm seeing more and more because obviously first party data is just so valuable so I can see the logic as well from the data capture perspective but I just hate it like I think um, particularly in the premium brand space I just think you have to be really careful with it um, and that's the only thing I'd say with some of the third parties, I think they can be a little bit too aggressive as much as numbers look good. Um, so yeah, but yeah, our average client probably uses their ESP, um, with yep. some using some of the other ones, third parties. Yeah. I think, yeah, for most of the ones I've worked with ESP for the basket, <coughs> excuse me, the basket abandonment, for browse abandonment, most people are using third parties. Like so, yeah, the unifies just you knows. Um, I've even tested some on my site, and and you're right. The, the the biggest challenge is finding the ones that have the right campaign controls, where you are able to set um, frequency limits um, per per user, and also per session. So I've I've even seen tools where a person within a session is seeing three or four pop ups, yeah. um, and also controlling the triggers because. You know, true true exit intent and abandonment is when people are going to leave, not not just when they've paused or been inactive. We all have moments where we pause or inactive, and we've gone away from our computer, and we've been distracted, or you know we're, we're doing something else. Being being able to control that so you don't suddenly get someone who's been shown this because they were inactive for for twenty seconds on a page, then they went uh, to leave to check another site and got another message, and those messages might be different. So I think you've got to be really, really key up front and about what do we want and what controls do we want and then how will the tools achieve that and can we? is it very easy to self-serve or do we have to do any complex setup work to everything, any configuration and things like uh, like tag managers in order to, to stop this from happening? Yeah. Um, and that's why, I mean, I, I do like the managed service providers like Smarterflip. I've worked with Smarterflip on, on a few projects and they provide the platform and the platform's got a lot of controls and it's got really good integrations with analytics so that you can pull in um, you know, data, you can pull in data layer variables, and you can be really, really specific about exactly the type of session that you want to target. 
Um, and it also allows you to, to, to then um, uh, set blacklist conditions. So if, if, a, if an ID does X, Y, and Z, now put them into the blacklist so they never see this again, rather than the person continuously seeing something when they come to the site. Um, all about implementation considerations. So the first one I put down is, is page performance. So making sure that if you're adding third parties and scripts, pop-ups, you're not, you're not a slowing the page down unnecessarily, but also that you're measuring what impact it has on the customer uh, and the engagement. So are you are you screwing up other metrics by pushing these campaigns? Yeah, I think the other one is. Uh... And we've kind of talked about this already, but conflict. So it could be conflicts of other marketing activity. Um, it could be conflicts with other technologies if you are using an ESP and uh, a managed service provider. Um, and you end up with different levels of campaigns, basically. And I think the other one, like little things, like you just need to think about the whole piece. Like these days, we work a lot with Shopify. Our average client has three to five Shopify stores. Very easy for someone to land on the wrong store get directed to the next one, end up with browse abandonment emails and then up from both stores, for example. Um, stuff like that. It's just like thinking about all the variables. Um, yeah, and just making sure you're not providing a bad customer experience accidentally. Really. Yeah, exactly. And also for me, it's, it's simple things like the on-page user experience. When you're, If you're doing a standard like a pop-up overlay, um, can the user just just click outside of that and get away from it. I've seen ones where it takes over the whole page and the cross and close bit is so subtle, it's so hard to see. I Even as an experienced e-commerce person who knows these and has implemented these campaigns, I've had sites where I'm like, how the hell do I close this? I've seen it on B2B sites especially. And it's really, really annoying because it's intruded my journey. It's not subtle, it's taken over the whole page. So you've got to make, if you're going to do it, you've got to measure it, but you've got to make it easy for customers to say, I'm not interested. Uh, and I even tested on a couple of clients a um, a you know don't show these again, and you know some clients are oh, but but then not everyone will click it. I was like, but if people are clicking it, there's a reason they're not clicking it just for the sake of it. You have that as a sub option at the bottom, but the main close at the top is the, the primary one. And it's interesting you, you can sometimes get you know, twenty to twenty five percent of the clicks go to that. Uh, and I think that's a pretty good indication for me is because we're we're trying not to be intrusive here. We're trying to add value. Yeah. Um, and my final point is going to be a holdout test because the biggest risk with this is you see com- great conversion of revenue and everyone goes, way, we're driving all this revenue and you're simply substituting revenue you would have already got. Um, mm-hmm. And if the aim is to accelerate the, the purchase point and speed up the purchase and you don't care, fine, but don't, don't start reporting revenue growth. Because you, you can you can do false claims, so holdout tests are critical here. And holdout tests. So this is why I love tools like SmarterClick because you can program it through there. A/B test uh, a holdout, and there's where you basically say, okay, we're going to take ten percent of the traffic, five percent holdout, five percent see in the campaign. A holdout just sees is served a blank version. So even though the pixel fires, they see nothing on the screen. The users. And the campaign users get to see the full campaign. And then you can monitor all of your metrics for each of those cells and determine whether or not you get a true conversion increment and compare it to your, your control. So I think that for me is, is essential is put the data intelligence behind it. And if you don't know how to do it, get a provider that can help you or get an, your analytics person involved from the start. So they have set this up and you can measure it properly. Yeah, absolutely.
Uh, anything else you think we should add? Or do you think we've we've covered enough uh, enough useful insights? I think so. I think that's covered everything from my perspective. I think, um, yeah, the main ones, like you say, inc- like measuring incrementality, provide not impacting the customer experience, not being too aggressive. Um, yeah, I think that's for me. They're like the main points, and I think there's yeah, we've obviously covered loads of little subtopics as well. Excellent. Yeah, and my my one takeaway point to everybody is is it's it's like anything. The people who ridicule it are the ones who haven't thought through how they could use it to add value to the customers and to the business. Think very carefully about some simple use cases where there is a genuine reason people are abandoning it and you can tackle it and, and help that customer maybe to make a more informed purchase decision and test it centrally, measure it. Don't chuck it on the site, across the site, all users. Uh, measure it, introduce slowly, measure, and then tweak and roll out what works, basically. Uh, so thanks for listening. I hope it's been useful. Do share it if you think other people you know would find it interesting. And keep an ear open for our next episode. We drop one every Tuesday. Uh, And do subscribe if you haven't already. That will mean you'll get alerts every time a new episode lands. Uh, Thanks for listening. Take care. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.